Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you so much, Rani, for reading that to us so well. Well, good morning and welcome to our Vision Sunday. It's lovely to see you all this morning. This morning we're thinking about the vision of St. Saviour's Church. But if you're visiting us, you're so welcome. And hopefully there's something that you'll be able to take away that you'll find encouraging. And if you're watching this online, welcome to you too. It's lovely to have you with us. Before we continue, shall we pray and just commit this to the Lord? Father, we thank you for your word, and we just want to pray, Lord, that you would just come and speak to each one of us, spirit to spirit. 
that you'd impart on our own hearts, what we need to learn and take away from this this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to spend just a few minutes reflecting on this parable which Rani read to us. And as I've been praying for some saviors and we've had conversations as team and speaking to volunteers, this is a parable that's really gripped me. There's a similar parable in Luke's Gospel, and the thing that ties both these parables together is the master's words, his words to the servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What does it look like for us here at St. Saviour's to be good and faithful servants? Well, hopefully, that's our vision, to be good and faithful servants. But what does it look like for you to be a good and faithful servant in this season? What we've seen in this parable is three things, three things we need to do as individuals and hopefully together as a church corporately. The first thing is this. Take risks for Jesus. Learn to take risks for Jesus. This parable, this passage is all about taking risks. In a minute we're going to show a clip and as Jess was saying earlier on, if you're at home we're going to stop the live stream a bit but there's a link you can click on. And this clip is about barnacle geese. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or seen this clip, but barnacle geese are amazing. They lay the eggs right up high in the highest cliffs they can find, where it's safe, where it's protected, and no one can get at their, their, their eggs, where there's no predators. But then the eggs hatch, and the place that was safe is now a place of danger. There's no food there. There's no provision. So they have to get to the ground where their parents are to feed, to live, and to survive. They have to move from the place of safety to a place where they're going to survive. The problem is they can't fly. They're only a few days old, so they have to take this amazing leap of faith, this wonderful risk. This is probably the most adrenaline-fueled clip you're gonna to see today, it's amazing. So um, if you can show the clip, please. The perfect launch. And a controlled drop. This is as good a descent as it's possible to make. Its parents are there to meet it. A little dazed, perhaps, but 
Jesus. Isn't that amazing? A little bit of days, but all in one piece. I love that. I mean, it's, it's a real sort of a dread of the rush. The first time I saw that, I was thinking, oh no. But what was the place of safety it has to move from, it has to take this step of faith, this amazing risk, in order to survive? And that's a picture of what ministry should look like in the church. This parable, this passage is all about taking risks for Jesus. In verse 20, it says this. A man who had received five bags of gold brought five more others. And he said, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. They didn't waste what was entrusted to them. They didn't play it safe. They stepped out in faith. And if you read through our annual report later on, it's, uh, we'll make a copy of it on the website if you don't have a copy. If you read through it, you'll see the activities of our various ministries. And you begin to see glimpses of this risk-taking for Jesus. What a community of faith that looks like when it steps out and it takes risks. Trying new patterns of service, the 10, the 4, the 6, the O and the H. A packed church on Easter Sunday with 11 baptisms and wonderful stories of transformation and faith and how Jesus is changing lives. Focus last year, taking the whole church to focus for the first time and seeing how that impacted people's faith. And how people just came alive for Jesus. Our youth sessions on Friday night, seeing them growing and being full of life. Our youth events, joining with other churches doing youth stuff, having days away with our youth. Launching the Lighthouse last year, this wonderful space where young people can come and just and learn about Jesus and have faith. Launching a stay and play toddler group. Men and women's events with inspiring speakers. A new women's Bible study group. Going into local schools and sharing Jesus. And then we have the, the haven, the haven service. Fellowship, surplus food, food bank, breakfast, lunches, citizens advice, debt advice, housing advice, fuel support, knitting clubs, life groups, worship, mental health support, and so much more. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're just scratching the surface of the need in our community. But it's scratching the service for Jesus. What would it look like for you to step out and take risks for Jesus in this season? Maybe it's getting more involved in one of the ministries that you'll read about in our annual reports. Maybe it's just having that boldness or courage to share your faith, to step out, to pray for someone. Maybe it's having the boldness to invite someone to the Alpha course, our new course starting tonight where they can find out about the most important person they'll ever find out about. I was talking to one of our youth team and I was telling them about um, a church I knew that has over 100 people in their youth group. And we said, why not us? Why couldn't that be us? Or on Easter Sunday, the church was so packed that for safety reasons, if anyone else came to the church, we would have had to turn them away. Why can that be every Sunday? Well, it happens when we take risks for Jesus. It doesn't happen when we play safe, but it happens when all of us together step out in faith and we take risks for Jesus. That's the first thing we see in this parable. Take risks for Jesus. And then the second thing, I think, is just as challenging. The second thing is fail for Jesus. Learn to fail for Jesus. Verse 25 says this. I was afraid, so I went out. I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. 
this is the third servant. And I always thought this is really unfair. The guy didn't do anything wrong. He was just trying to play it safe and protect what he had. But we see from this parable throughout Scripture, our God is a God who takes risks. He takes risks with the type of people he calls, the type of people he uses. He gives us gifts and resources to use, not to bury and not to waste. And if things don't work, then God says it's okay. I've been reading this book, and a few of us on the team have been reading this book by our new bishop, um, Bishop Emma, called Failure. And it's a great book, and what she writes ties into so many of the conversations we've been having as a team here. And there's this great quote in this book from a professor at Harvard Uni. The professor says this, A culture that asks immediately when something goes wrong, whose fault is this and how should they be punished, is a culture in which people will be afraid to risk trying anything new at all or fear it will go wrong and they will be blamed if it fails. And that's so true, isn't it? We want to change the culture here at St. Saviour's. We want to make this a safe place where it's okay to try and to fail and try again. The difference between these first two servants who made money and the last servant is this fear of failure. There was this real fear of failure. The perception of the third servant was that the master was cruel and unkind, that he was just gripped with fear, that he could just see negative in every situation. The worst thing he thought he could do was to fail. So he played it safe, he buried the gold, and he thought he'd be commended, have a sort of pat on the back. But it wasn't about how much gold he made. The other two servants, they make different amounts of gold, but they get the same reward. The master says, come and enjoy my happiness. Have a share of my happiness. And I think, here's the thing in all of this. All of us have failed in the past, and all of us will fail at some point in the future. But don't allow past fails, failures to stop you stepping out for Jesus. We're all going to fail. We all have failed. We all will fail. But don't allow those past failures to stop you taking risks for Jesus. The only reason we don't take risks is fear. And perfect love casts out all fear. Maybe you're here this morning, but the thing that's stopping you stepping out in faith or the thing that's stopping you doing that thing that God has laid on your heart is fear, fear that you will fail. Don't stop past failures, stop you from stepping out taking risks for Jesus. Last month, my youngest son had his birthday, and he's been nagging me for ages to have a mobile phone. And he says, everyone in my class has got a mobile phone. So I thought, it's his birthday, I'm going to treat him, he's going to get his mobile phone. But I said to him, you need to prove to me that you can be trusted and responsible to handle a phone. So we had conversations, and as it was leading up to his birthday, the week leading up to it, I was thinking, you're not showing me your responsibility. You're not showing me you're going to handle this device. I was saying, no, it's not going to be a connection of your hand. It's not another limb. You can make contact with other people when you get it and look them in the eye. And it got to the day before um, his birthday, and I was thinking, he still hasn't proven to me or shown me that he's responsible. Maybe I'll just give him his other presents, and we'll delay it for a bit longer. Then I was, I was just praying about stuff. God just really spoke to me and convicted me about all of this. And God just said, you know that, when I give you things, I don't wait till you're perfect or you're totally responsible or you've got everything sorted. I give you things and I say, okay, let's see what you do with it. And if you fail and if you make mistakes, then we'll talk about it. Then there's grace and then we'll try again. There's lessons learned and we'll try again. So I gave him his phone and he went and made some mistakes <laughs> and we had to have a conversation and it was grace 
And it was lessons learned, and he tried again. And he's still making mistakes, and there's still grace, and we're still learning. And what I learned that is God is a God who doesn't play safe. Our God is a God who takes risks. When we fail, there's grace, there's lessons. And he says, okay, let's try again. But our God is a God who takes risks. And he takes risks with people like me and you who are broken and are messed up and make mistakes. And he knows we're going to fail. But that's how we learn. That's how we grow. He gives it to us and says, okay, let's see what you can do with this. And as a church family, we want to enable each other to try things. That it's okay to fail. And we say, okay, let's try it again. Don't allow these past failures to stop you taking risks. We want to say, instead of making a negative thing, saying, oh, you failed. You're always doing that. You're always trying things. We want to say, you failed, but well done. You're always doing things. You're always trying things. Keep going. We want to change this culture that it's okay to fail for Jesus. So the first thing is take risks for Jesus. The second thing is fail for Jesus. And then just the last thing is make space for Jesus. Learn to make space for Jesus. There's something that's always bothered me about this parable. I've looked at it and I thought this is so unjust and so unfair. Verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag. And then he says, each according to his own ability. And I've often wondered, what's the ability? What's the criteria? How do we become the person who gets three bags of gold? What ability does this person have that the other two servants don't have? Is it his education? Is it his background? Is it that he's just a bit more eloquent? Is it something to do with his status or how well he leads or speaks or he's in positions of greater responsibility than the others? What is it about this person that allows him to have three bags? And then when you read through the Bible that you see none of those things impress God. They're not the things that God is worried about. The only thing that matters to God is our heart fully devoted and fully surrendered to him. The difference between the person that gets the five bags and the one that gets the one bag is not how talented or eloquent or special they are. It's how surrendered and devoted they are to God. Each of these servants could have had three bags of gold. Every person here this morning could be three bags of gold Christians. You don't have to settle with two or one bag. The question is, how are we making space for God? How are we carving up time so God can fill us and bless us so we can be a blessing? What are the things in our lives that get in the way of us having everything that God wants for us and the purposes and plans he has for our life? How are we making space for Jesus? As a church, we want to make space for Jesus. We want to make space individually, but also corporately in our gatherings and everything we do. We want to make space. That's why we have the six. That's why we're launching an Alpha course. That's why we have worship nights. That's why after the sermon, we just pause and take time to allow us to respond in our own hearts to what we've been hearing and listening to, allowing the Spirit to move in our hearts so we can make space for what God wants us to do. It's why we have prayer meetings. Prayer is the most important thing we can do as a church to gather and to pray and to hear God's will. Maybe one of the things each of us can just take away from today is how can we make more space for God in our lives? How can we make God a priority in our lives? It will be the best use of time you'll ever use. If you speak to some of the people who are baptized on Easter Sunday, you'll see something different about them. There's, there's, a, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a purpose about them that wasn't there before. As they're making space for God, God is doing something in their lives because he loves us, he adores us, and he just longs to spend time with us. As Jess was saying earlier, there's nothing 
in all creation that can separate us from God's love. He loves us. He rejoices over us. And when we make space for him, he not only blesses us, but he blesses us to be a blessing to this community. The band would like to come up. What's the vision of St. Saviour's? What's our vision for the next 12 months? That we would be a church family that steps out and take risks for Jesus. That we'd have a culture here that it's okay to fail for Jesus. That we don't condemn, but we champion each other. That most of all, in everything we do in our gatherings, our activities, in our families, in our home life, that we are making space for Jesus to, to minister to us and to work in our own lives. That's when we do those things. That's when we begin to see lives transformed, addictions broken, people restored, people healed, people come into faith. And that's when the master says, well done, good and faithful servants. Come and share in my happiness. If you're able, would you like to stand? make space for Jesus. That's what we're going to do now. And we're just going to invite the Spirit to come and just, just, it's an opportunity for us to just pause and be still and say, Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? And I'm going to say just one of the oldest prayers in the church, which is come Holy Spirit. And it's just inviting the, the Spirit of the Lord to come and just to speak to our hearts. And if you've never done this before, we just receive it by faith. We just receive it just by saying thank you. Thank you, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to each one of us this morning. Whether we've been Christian for 20 years, two years, two months, or we have no faith at all, we pray, Lord, that you would just come, just, just speak to us in our hearts. What do we need to hear this morning? What are you saying to us? Come and fill us. And we receive just by saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we just continue to wait on the Lord. And it's just between you and him. It's not about the person beside you or behind or in front of you. This is your opportunity just to, just to be still in his presence and say, Lord, what, what do you have for me? Come, Holy Spirit. And maybe for you this morning, it's stepping out, it's taking a risk. It's something that the Lord has been speaking to you, laying on your heart, it's been encouraged by others and you haven't acted upon it and maybe this morning is that opportunity to say Lord I'm willing to take risks to step out for you maybe for you this morning it is that fear of failure maybe you tried something in the past and it didn't work or you were hurt Or maybe you don't want to step out in case it doesn't work. In case the God doesn't come through for you or people mock you. <laughs> there's, no, there's no condemnation. There's no fear or judgment with the Lord. There's, there's grace. 
times we will mess up because we're, we're human, we're broken. We're not perfect. But he's saying it's okay. There's forgiveness, there's grace, we move on. Maybe just offer that thing that, that you're carrying on your shoulders that's weighing you down, that failure. Just offer it to the Lord and say, Lord, I just, just lay it to you. It was a mess, but I'm just placing it in your hands. Or maybe God is just speaking to you about just making a little bit more space for him. It's a process. He's just saying, would you make me a priority? Maybe just when you wake up or you go to bed, that little prayer. When you're stressed, when you're going for pressure, it says, turn to me. Switching off Netflix, maybe a little bit earlier. Spend that time with the Lord. He says, each one of you can be those free bags of gold, Christians. You don't have to settle for less. Just make space. Father, whatever you're saying to each one of us, we thank you. We thank you that you're here. We thank you for your peace, for your joy, for your presence. We thank you that you have just good plans for each one of us. Whether we're on the mountain or in the valleys, Lord, thank you that you are a good God and your plans are good. And we pray, Father, for your vision for this church, that we would be a church united. And together we would take risks, together we would fail, and together we would make space for you, that we would see your kingdom come to Sunbury and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to move into a time of worship now, and if you want to respond to anything you feel the Lord has been speaking to you about, um, There'll be a team, there'll be myself and others. We'll be at the back. Feel free to come and find us. We'd love to pray for you before you leave today. Sometimes God speaks to us, something particular, because he wants to break something. And we love to stand alongside you and pray with you about that. But now let's worship you.